Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under Networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Hells fans? Welcome to the Bird Calls podcast. Ali, who, do, who's got a drink in their hand right now, by the way? I don't know. Believe it or not, I brewed a pot of coffee an hour before the draft, <laughs> and that was the biggest mistake of my life because I'm not going to bed anytime soon. Now we're wired. I'm your host and contributor to the BirdRights.com, Preston Ellis. This is your moment, Bird Rights contributors, podcasters, readers, all you guys. Never tell us the odds. Ali, we're going to Vegas. You can follow him at Ali Cosell. Follow me at Preston Ellis. Uh, Grub, did you have zero doubt? Um, yeah, right now I'm living zero doubt. That's my whole thing right now. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Mr. Kevin Berrios, the Prince of the Protocol, what's going on, dude? Uh, nothing. Um, I have a drink in my hand, but it's green tea. And then... Uh, <laughs> God, we're so lame. <laughs> I'm, I'm, giving, uh, I'm giving credit to my puppies because they built us like little satanic temple in the backyard today together. And I think that's what swung the lot of balls our way. They dug up huge hole together and then we're grabbing sticks gathering sticks and planting them in there together and they never do <laughs> stuff like that ever so i just think that they conjured up a, a a victory for us coffee green tea and puppies we are getting lit here at the bird calls podcast uh at fisher tbw david fisher is going to be joining us in a second make sure to follow us at the bird rights rate our podcast and subscribe to it on itunes uh this is the bird calls people ali is david griffin john the baptist and is zion williamson our lord and savior born to erase 18 seasons of sin at this point how can you not believe it i mean you, i i had no belief in whatsoever the Pelicans laying the top pick. I thought at best our odds lay in some team, hopefully, you know, trading always on to us. But then, you know, just watching that countdown, the Pelicans were not uh, a team called out. What was it? We should have been called out at nine. 
with Memphis and both the Lakers moving up. They weren't there. And then all of a sudden, then four, three, two, one. I mean, it's just a dream. And I was just talking to David about this before we started the podcast. And I think people and fans need to be more excited than when Anthony Davis, when we landed Anthony Davis with that first pick. Because in watching him play uh, that season in Kentucky, you knew he was going to be really, really good. But you didn't see this powerful figure just dominate the game in every which sort of way. And that's what Zion did this year. If you even just watched two minutes of it, you know what I'm talking about. So this is unprecedented. Um, and I can't wait till we start getting to some comparisons, just talking about Zion. But yeah, as far as your question, Press, I mean, again, hiring David Griffin, him bringing that special lucky charm of that angel, Alvin being there wearing his lucky tie. I mean, there's so many things that you can say, but I believe in it all. Maybe Kevin's dogs even, you know, maybe <laughs> they did have a, a little thing to this too. So who knows? All right, Ollie, take off. He's got to take a conference call with David Griffin. He's going to come back to us with some knowledge. And if we don't get to him tonight, you you know you'll see it on thebirdrights.com. Let's go over to Grubb. Uh, obviously, getting to number one, let's just get this out of the way. Getting to number one eliminates a lot of possible trade packages for Anthony Davis, namely the New York Knicks, the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, they ended up at three or four. How does this change things, Grubb? Well, it gives the Pelicans all sorts of leverage. There's not a deal now that they can't make. Um, They can ask for whatever it is that they want because player personnel-wise, teams can't short uh, shift them based on trying to give them draft picks. There's no better draft pick than what the Pelicans have now. So whether you're dealing with Boston or whether you're dealing with uh, the Clippers or whomever, now you can ask for those players that you want. Uh, And, of course, the the price for draft picks, especially for next year, becomes better for the Pelicans too because this year there's less of an incentive to take on 2019 picks in a draft where you have the jewel yeah Kevin let's follow up with that now we've got Zion Williamson we also have Anthony Davis uh arguably I think Charles LaRocca wrote this the two most highly coveted uh guys on the market right now Anthony Davis being movable with one year left on his contract the Pelicans have all the ammunition that other teams were hoping to get what does this do to the future of the New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Lakers uh, it's uh, a little bleak on their side. Although I, I would disagree a little bit with the idea that it eliminated the Knicks and the and the Lakers from contention. In fact, I would say it makes the Lakers a little bit more attractive because you also have the fourth pick now that that's in play. Um, and then the Knicks are probably out unless, uh, for some reason, Memphis were to take R.J. Barrett over John Morant, which is not expected, but unexpected things happen. And say Ja falls to number three, then, you know, you could solve a lot of problems that way as well. So I don't necessarily think those teams are out. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I agree with David. It it gives us all the leverage because we already got, you know, what everybody considers to be the next superstar in the league. Um, So all the other stuff that we get from an AD trade, um, you know, really is just icing. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. What? I don't know if I answered your question, though. I got distracted for a second. (laughs) No, it's my fault. I didn't frame it correctly. Uh, I'm going to circle back to Grubb on this. Uh, Before we get to the Lakers and the Knicks and potential trade packages uh, for Anthony Davis that are obviously going to include the Clippers and the Boston Celtics, among others, let's just spell it out like this. Grubb, spell out for us how good you think Zion could be in the NBA. Well, uh, the thing with Zion is the, the ability is off the charts. We know that. The, the fit, just like anything in, in professional sports, is what do you put around him? 
this team is going to have to do certain things that focus on his strengths. Uh, you know, that's what we've talked about throughout this year is that in the debate between Zion and John ja Morant, we all agreed that Zion was the, the more talented player, but that it would be easier to build a system with John ja Morant. So I think that when you take on a player of Zion Williamson, um, the Zion Williamson's talents, the great thing about the Pelicans is that offensively and defensively, they are set to build on his strengths. They can do the things that he's um, already capable of doing. What you're going to need to make sure you have around him is people who can consistently shoot the basketball and people who can consistently get to the rim and create easy opportunities for him around the rim. We know he's going to be able to offensive rebound. We know he's going to be able to score in transition. Um, we don't know how great his post-up game is going to be uh, and how often we, we have to use it anyway. We don't know how he's going to be in the mid-range shooting jump shots if he's going to be consistent. And his free throw shooting wasn't particularly great um, as a freshman. But there's a lot of room for growth. It just depends on are the Pelicans going to demand from him to day, from day one to be the guy or are they going to put enough around him to allow him to grow into that role, which I think ideally by year three is when just Anthony Davis, year one it was not his team, but by year three he really had started to grow into a franchise player. And I think that's what you want to see out of Zion Williamson. All right, we're going to do some comparisons right now. Obviously, his size is unlike anything else uh, we've seen in the NBA. Six foot seven, almost 300 pounds, 284 pounds, according to, to the Google. Giannis, meanwhile, at 6'11", 242 pounds. And that's somebody who you could be comparable, just a big body, an athletic freak who is just a freight train coming down the paint. Someone similar to that, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit, uh, Julius Randle, who just has that kind of frame, that bowling ball type style who gets to the rim. Zion is going to be a version of that on steroids. But let's go ahead and compare him to DeMarcus Cousins when he was healthy, Kevin. Uh, obviously, Anthony Davis framed really well next to him. He was the most efficient he's ever been. He played a lot out on the wing. Uh, Boogie would create space for him, and he would attack from the perimeter. He'd attack on closeouts. I think he shot about 36% per uh, two seasons ago. Kevin, we've already seen that this type of player can work next to Anthony Davis. How can Zion work next to him uh, the way that Boogie did? Um, well, if we're going player comps. Uh, I like to call him Wide Drexler because he's like a, has that sort of athletic ability and that gliding gracefulness, but is massive. Um, so I don't know. I think he's somewhere like some weird comp of like uh, Robert Tractor Trailer, Eric Bledsoe, and uh, Clyde Drexler somehow. Um, but I, I mean, I don't really think. I would compare him to Boogie. I don't think they're very similar at all, other than that they have good ball skills and passing ability for being big men. But, you know, athletic, you know, Zion's athleticism changes everything, uh, makes him totally different than what Cousins does, um, especially because we know Cousins has a tendency to want to drift to the outside, which could create space for Anthony Davis to operate inside. But, uh, Zion hasn't really developed that outside jumper yet, so that's going to be different. But if Anthony Davis were to be on this team with Zion, then I think you'd see it the opposite way, where Zion's playing more towards the uh, basket and AD's uh, spacing a little bit more because you know we've seen him develop more as an outside shooter, um, and he has, always has had that nice mid-range shot. Um, so I think you see more of Davis on the perimeter in that sense where Davis would play more like Boogie um, offensively somewhat because I don't think Zion can space that way yet. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I don't 
I still don't believe that Anthony Davis is going to be on this team. So I think this is a exercise in futility. And I know they probably will try to make this work and try to pair the relationship, but I just think uh, Davis is done here. And I think it's kind of going to be a good thing because, you know, it's going to be that again, struggle for who's the face of the franchise. Um, whereas, you know, Zion can be the clear face from the beginning and you get other young players around it in future draft picks that fit what what you want to do around that guy because you know this guy's at least locked in for years whereas Davis he's already had a change of heart from what we thought and then if he were to change back who knows if he changes again and you know you have such a timeline on that so um I don't know I, I I don't see the boogie comparison though I'm sorry Oh, no worries. You don't have to see the boogie comparison. Uh, Shams reported a few hours ago, one hour ago, that his stance uh, being his, Anthony Davis, on a trade has not changed. However, some of the news that I was going to drop with you guys, some of our sources uh, tell us that one of the things David Griffin pitched to Gail Benson was the idea of keeping Anthony Davis in New Orleans, and he really wants the opportunity to pitch that to Anthony Davis. Obviously, he hasn't had the opportunity yet, but now armed with Zion Williamson, you'd have to imagine that things couldn't possibly get better in that pitch meeting. But with that being said, we've all seen clear indications that Anthony Davis wants out, but who knows? Maybe David Griffin is some kind of wizard. Should that come to fruition? Ali, I think you're... Yes. Let me just say this. I mean, we all knew, watching as the year went on, how much Anthony Davis disliked how much of the spotlight DeMarcus Cousins was getting. So if you're looking at that, I think maybe getting Zion makes Anthony Davis want to be here less. Could be, uh, could be. And that's going to be up to David Fish to, to, push on that um and and we'll see how it goes like you said we're still going to explore trade packages there are still going to be teams calling and david griffin would be a fool not to take those calls and see what's available but all of that is predicated upon his conversation with anthony davis and if he can uh i don't know perform this miracle with davis grub obviously we at the birdrights.com i think dating back to new november we could tell that anthony davis checked out and most of us are just ready to move on at this point but should the two of them pair in the front court what would that look like to you well, I mean, my my comparison for Zion first uh, at first glance has always been uh, Charles Barkley, like the evolutionary version of Barkley. Um, so I think you do want to keep Zion uh, around mm-hmm. the rim, like Kevin talked about, where AD would have to, to give more space offensively um, and allow Zion to be the guy who really kills uh, the offensive boards. And also, you know, those one dribble drives to the bra- basket – where he can finish, you know, something that AD really does not do as well that, you know, taking it off the dribbling, finishing at the rim. We know Zion can do that. And so I think using him like a Barkley um, in those earlier years um, would be really good. Defensively is where you you have to think a little bit more with AD and, and uh, Zion, Um, you know, playing against fours and possibly threes. uh, Zion's going to be out on the perimeter a lot. We know he has good feet. We know he has good hands, but he had more than two steals a game at Duke. Um, but there's going to be some difficulty because he has not had to face stretch fours. You know, he hasn't had to go up against a Kevin Durant, um, a seven footer shooting like that, or a six foot ten inch guy who can you know come off screens firing. So I think that's going to be an adjustment for him. Uh, and, and so that means that Davis is going to have to do a lot more hanging around the rim uh, and doing some rim protection on those drives. Um, when you when you do holiday out front, I think of course that helps in cutting off those drives. Uh, but they're both both AD and Zion are both weak side shot blockers, 
So um, that makes it a little bit different too defensively. You can't really funnel people to the two of them. Uh, but you, if you can get people um, moving away from the basket um, and play solid perimeter defense, then I think you give both of them the opportunity to recover, to help, and uh, make it difficult to get shots up at the rim. So I, I, I can see it working. I mean, I, you know, AD frame-wise is exactly what you want to have behind a guy like Zion, a more undersized power player. Um, again, I just don't want to see it. <laughs> Ali, it sounds like the Pelicans should just sign Ed Davis and put Zion at the three, right? <laughs> no, I mean, obviously that's like the opposite you should do. When you've got a lineup of Drew, Zion, and, you know, in this our scenarios, Anthony Davis, I mean, who's going to be shooting that three ball, guys? With all that usage that's going to go around, I mean, it's going to be more important than ever to consistently have at least two great three-point shooters uh, out with these guys. Again, I agree with Kevin. I agree with versus the gang here that I don't expect Anthony Davis to come back. But you know what we're going to find out? We're going to find out whether AD truly puts basketball first. I mean, I don't know how you walk away from a situation where he's got the best, one of the best possible uh, running mates at guard in Drew Holiday who doesn't ask for the limelight, does all the little dirty work. And now suddenly you add this behemoth of a guy who's willing to do anything all over the court as well. And with, you know, we saw what happened in Lakers. We all know what happened with the teams that kind of chase Anthony Davis uh, or that he's on their list, like, say, the Celtics or the Knicks, suddenly I don't know where they stand. But, again, how can AD walk away now from Drew and Zion if winning is a priority? I mean, David Griffin has already, you know, seemingly changed the fortunes of this franchise around. He hasn't even made a free agency move yet. He hasn't made a trade yet. So wait till he gets to work on those things. But, I mean, we're going to talk about this at length on how to build a team properly. But I think, first, we really got to understand – whether AD's heart in, is in it or not, because we're hearing conflicting things. As to what Preston, you just said that you're hearing that he may now want to stay. Maybe there's a route to that. I've been hearing that he's been gone all along, and that's really never changed. So it's gonna, that's going to be the most interesting thing. So we can ponder it all we want, but really we're going to have to wait for that meeting with David Griffin that supposedly they haven't made or haven't even really talked yet on the phone, uh, which should be happening sometime, was it this week or as soon as the combine's over, I would assume, where they'll probably go out to L.A., both he and Alvin Gentry, and they'll sit down with A.D., and then shortly thereafter, we'll know his fate. Now, I don't have any information that Anthony Davis wants to return. My information is that David Griffin wants A.D. to return and is confident that he can convince him to return, and he just needs the chance to talk to him. Um, But we've got some breaking news. Adam Zagoria is reporting that the Knicks are planning to meet with R.J. Barrett, obviously just doing their due diligence. But, Kevin... The Knicks assembled quite uh, an allotment of picks in their deal with Dallas, sending out Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Do you think there could be a play in hand where they might package R.J. Barrett, maybe a couple of picks, maybe Dennis Smith Jr., to get that number two pick to possibly entice the Pelicans into taking John Morant? I mean, that's a possibility, but I think they – I mean, I think if the Pelicans make that trade, it just depends on how high Griffin is on John Morant. He might be high on R.J. Barrett. Although, you know, I don't know how, how he fits in with um, with Drew in the backcourt or if he can play at the three much. And like I said, I don't really watch a lot of college basketball, so I don't have a really great scouting take on R.J. Barrett. But um, it seems like a lot to – that would seem like a lot to give up to move up one spot, um, although you are really moving up one spot to acquire Anthony Davis. So all that just depends. But I, I think that the that package might also entice David Griffin if it's – if he's high on, on Barrett, high on Dennis Smith Jr. and likes the picks that would be coming back the following year, um, as well as you might be able to get like a rim running center 
and Mitchell Robinson are, are a prospect. We know they scouted Kevin Knox already. Um, so they, they might like what they've seen there, or maybe they don't like what they've seen there. So, um, you know, maybe that's going to take that off the table. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's hard to, to judge what is going to entice David Griffin at this point, knowing that he just landed the, the top prospect in the draft and then everything else, um, he can build however he wants and doesn't necessarily have to worry that much about what else you get in this draft. Uh, before we get over to Grub, if you guys haven't checked out the New Orleans Pelicans handle and this uh, video of the ticket office just exploding, I highly encourage you to watch it. I think I've watched it probably about half a dozen times by now. It's Grub, funny. I, uh, I have like a, I have a regular customer of mine who's a ticket rep, and he was there last night. Oh, not last night, uh, two nights ago when I was working, and he, he I asked him how the sales were going. He said it was pretty dismal, but uh, I can imagine that his phone's ringing off the hook now. Yeah, let's just put this into perspective, Grub. What does this do for New Orleans basketball, just from a, a local fan base point of view? Like, what is this going to do for ticket sales? What is this going to do for the perception? You think they're going to hire some more media members just to follow Zion around? No, they're not going to hire any more <laughs> media members, um, unfortunately. I think, I mean, obviously, I think nationally, there will be media that's that's here frequently. But locally, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think that the the landscape is going to change that quickly. Um, just because there aren't the resources available now at the Thomas Picayune shutting down. Um, there's just, there aren't as many outlets as there were. Now the interest will be higher. And that means that people like us and, and, and the other independent outlets will have um, a greater opportunity to, to make a mark as this franchise rebuilds itself. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, you already see it. You see, you see on Twitter, there's this divide of, you know, people who are saying, well, this is the Pelicans reward screwing Anthony Davis they get a chance to screw another young player or all these things there's the, the, the general animosity nationally towards the New Orleans Pelicans is not going to change um even if people start liking Zion uh until the Pelicans start to win and that's ultimately what this is going to be about the enthusiasm in the city we knew it existed you know we saw the tv ratings when they were listed we knew that there was uh this desire by fans uh, to, to hear about the team, that there's always been a, a high level of interest in this team. So I think that that becomes much more public again. I think that the malaise that hung over the Smoothie King Center for much of the last decade uh, will be gone in the short term. People will be excited. They will be in the, the opening night is going to be insane. Um, you know, the, the preseason games, the open practice, like it was, you know, we talked about coming off of the, the series went over Portland and what open practice was like. I mean, all those things will be bigger. The focus will be bigger. Um, and and that, that's what comes when you have a number one pick, especially when you have somebody who could be a transcendent player, not just a top five player, but somebody who could be a, a, a talent that ends up on cereal boxes and video games and has its own shoe. Uh, you know, that, that's a great <laughs> gift to give your fan base. And I think that people are going to be excited. I think it, it for them, uh, I think, again, for most people, they have always loved the Pelicans. They just weren't sure how much the Pelicans slash Hornets loved them back. And now they feel like there's an opportunity here that they're being embraced both ways. And part of that, again, the credit goes back to David Griffin, who has constantly acknowledged the fan base since he took over. How amazing will it be if Zion gets a signature shoe his rookie year? 
Oh, he already is, he's already involved in a bidding war with yes. Nike and Adidas. In addition to that, FoxBusiness.com uh, posted a few hours ago, Zion Williamson's future team set for immediate business boost. We might see something a la Ken to LeBron James in, in Cleveland, just local businesses booming, local bars, restaurants, uh, just that that part of the downtown area just exploding. Guys, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry here's something to think about. In one night with just one lottery drawing, Gail Benson just probably added $200 million value or whatever, <laughs> something to the franchise. Easy. So everything she has just spent to hire David Griffin, uh, the training staff, and whatever else they're going to do with scouting, you name it, she got her money back and then some. So it's crazy how this is working out. Preston mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking off the air that um, the, the reason he was hired, he heard, that Preston heard the reason that he was hired is because he – knows that he can get Anthony Davis to stay. Um, I think the reason he was hired is because they know how much the Illuminati love his potato salad at the, at the Illuminati cookouts, because I mean, how many first round, how many first overall picks has this guy gotten? And especially with the odds we had this time, I mean, there's something going on there. Yeah, definitely. Connie's angel. Uh, we can't say enough about Connie's angel. Grub, bird strikes. He's already communicated more with his fan base than I feel like Del Demps did in his entire eight-year tenure. It's really nice to have insight as to what he's thinking, just to have a face to the franchise, a mouthpiece, so to speak. Uh, what were you thinking whenever he came out with this bird strikes? Did that fill you with confidence, or was it just something cool to be involved with a front office figurehead like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lottery, so I don't know how much confidence gave me, but I think at the same time, there's something to be said about a man who does sit up on the on that dais and there was an easiness about him. You know, you 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 watch the faces and you look at all the representatives and some of them are like, well, they forced me to be here or you know, or Kyle uh, Kuzma. You know, <laughs> I'm, yeah, Kyle Kuzma who looked like he had that 24 karat magic. But um you know, it, it seemed like Griffin generally, you know, genuinely was expecting to win. He expected it. And you could see that calm and relaxed demeanor. That's something that I think does reassure people who are watching. It does reassure the fan base because as the names were getting called and they started saying people moving up, I didn't start freaking out. It was more like, okay, this is good. This is good. And and I think that part of that was because the way Griffin had set himself up before the, the whole thing began was just that, it was a real possibility. And, and as much talking as we did, and I hate to, I'm going to wrap it up, but as much talking as we did about getting into that, the, that hoping two spot would be the best for us. I mean, to get the, to get the number one overall. Yeah. This is, it's, it's been Griffin right now could, you know, he could do what Trump said. He could shoot somebody in the middle of canal street and he could still walk into the office and be the GM and everyone would be, be glad for it. Big potato salad energy. <laughs> Ali, did you go ahead and take that conference call? No, it's not scheduled for until top of the hour. Okay, cool. So this is going to give the Pelicans some options. Obviously, we're going to have to figure out where he's going to fit in the lineup. A lot of this is going to be dictated by uh, trades. Uh, we saw something uh, sometimes posted about a month ago, and Amico Hoops talked about it again today. They said if the Bulls fall, fall out of the top three selections, that they might be interested in dealing for Lonzo Ball, and they fell all the way to seven. That gives the Lakers a pretty enticing package if they're able to package number four and number seven overall in addition to whatever else for 
for Anthony Davis. Of course, you've still got the Boston Celtics there lurking with Jason Tatum, with potentially Jalen Brown, now that they don't have the picks that, say, the Lakers do and the New York Knicks have. Who is your front runner right now, Ali? I think I've got to go back to Boston. I mean, I would love it to be the Clippers because uh, I think you, Matt, you, you throw in, say, Shea Gilgis Alexander with that lineup with around, uh, like I said, with Drew and uh, Zion. Suddenly the defense could leap to top five and in a couple of years' time, top, top overall. I mean, you got to love that length and that tenacity that those three guys alone would bring. But I got to think it might be Boston because they need, everybody knows you need wings. You need three point shooting wings, you need some scores. And, you know, Tatum and Jalen Brown would look awfully good in a lineup with, uh, obviously, Drew and Zion. Um, but you're right, the Lakers, they're suddenly back in it. And I think if Griffin, who's been known to like Brandon Ingram in the past, he's talked highly of him on, you know, several times during this past year when everybody was kind of down on him. I mean, suddenly, what if you can get Ingram and say you get that Lakers uh, number four pick? And then, like, like you said, they land that Chicago pick, then suddenly – they could very well leap to the top. So suddenly I, I really think like the offers for AD are going to be that much stronger. I mean, I know opposing fans don't like to hear it. They, they want 50 cents on the dollar, but that's the, that's the truth. How many guys are going to be attainable for teams that want to win now? Well, the list just shrunk a little bit with Zion going to the Pelicans. Suddenly I think AD, all that fervor for AD, it's going to be that much stronger, but it's really a toss up press. I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite. It's all going to come down to who, Obviously, David, David Griffin, his scouting department, like, right, who they think is the best fit, because that's one thing Griffin has always uh, underlined with the way he's built teams with LeBron James, and that's fit. Everything is fit to him. So we'll, we'll find out. Now, I can't remember who's next, but I'm going to go ahead and start with Kevin. Zion's 18 years old, and obviously Drew Holiday's going to turn 29, uh, I think, as soon as this summer. I want to say it's July 11th uh, off the top of my head. But, Kevin, this kind of changes the timeline obviously we expect zion to be a superstar but we'd be foolhardy to think he's going to put it together in his first season this kind of changes what the pelicans are hoping to build upon in 2019 2020 so with these packages we're discussing like you know more top picks versus going with these young vets like del demps uh would have us go for does this change drew holiday's future i don't necessarily think so because i think you need a veteran um and then the kind of veteran that drew is i mean he's a very defense first, which is, I think, going to be really the next focus in this league is to, to try to build really good defenses. We've seen the offensive era, and as soon as this Golden State team breaks up, um, things are going to become more open. And just the way we – the different kind of players that we have um, now, the kind of athleticism from every – and size from every position, I think the fits is going to be – uh, the one of the premiums going forward. So I think having a guy that already is just so locked in on that side, but also can be a great scorer as well. And then you see uh, how he takes young guys under his wing, like Frank Jackson. I think he's the right kind of locker room guy that you want. And he's also a great player. Whereas like, you know, you saw the flaws that happened with the Philly build when they didn't have that veteran presence. And you, you had, you know, off court issues, chemistry problems, work ethic problems, as they developed into what they are now. But having that stabilizing force like Drew there is really going to make all the difference, I think. All right, Grub, what's your take on Drew Holiday? Obviously, we want him around. We don't want him to go anywhere. But if the Pelicans are going with this this young group, so to speak, of, of picks, potentially the first, fourth, and seventh pick in this scenario, how does that change your viewpoint to where Drew Holiday's future is? 
Well, then I think you're probably looking at moving Drew um, either at the, the – I'd hate to do it at the break because I don't think his value – you're getting his fair value then. But um, I think you'd have to, to move him because I don't think he wants to stay for a, what he would feel would be a long rebuild at this stage in his career. He knows his peak is, is right now. Um, his value is, is not going to be any higher to the Pelicans or to other teams than it is right now. So if they if there is a youth movement and you start uh, building guys who are 24 and under, then I think it's only fair to Drew um, and to the team to to keep him as long as you can. But ultimately, you understand that that you're going to have to part ways. And I think for Drew, you could definitely get um, you know a number one pick and a starter um, because he's that valuable at this point. Uh, so yeah, if if it's a youth movement, I, I can't see him being long for New Orleans. Guys, but honestly, what are the odds of a youth movement when Zion, who completely outclassed the entire college scene all year, and everybody's predicting nothing but one of the best, you know, to ever enter the ranks of the NBA, he's going to be able to jump right in and produce. You've you just got to feel that his instincts, his ability, his athletic talent is going to at least, you know, make for him to be, and I can't believe the word I'm going to use is passable or average with all the stats, but you know, most rookies come in and they're detriments one way or another, but you just don't get that feel with Zion. So I feel like this is one of the best case scenarios in trying to keep Drew. I think the Pelicans are going to be able I'm to just, the winner. So, well, I'm just saying, under the, the, the rules that he just gave me, there's a bunch of youngsters coming in. That's a whole bunch yeah. of youngsters. But, but that's under, I'm just saying, those under that scenario, there's certainly but, a scenario where Zion right, but, and Drew stay together. But I don't really see the only avenue i see where it's going to be like a ton of young players is if you were to make a trade with new york because i feel like if you trade with boston you're getting either you know tatum or brown and and marcus smart you know pieces like that as well as future draft picks you trade with the clippers you get an sga you're probably getting gallinari uh, you're probably getting harold williams maybe um and those that's that's the core of a team that was in the playoffs this year. You know right. what I mean? And then you're adding that to Drew and Zion. Um, you know, yeah, even with the Lakers. There's no way they're going to need to do a total reset now. I, just, I don't see it. No, I, yeah. I'm not saying that's what it was, but that's just where I understood the question. If I understood it wrong, that's fine. I get it. But I'm like, I agree with Kevin because we've already talked about a lot of these trades already. So, yeah, we, we no. know I'm on board. You know, we're all on board with the Clippers. like that deal. We like the Knicks deal for in that regard and we liked the Celtics deal because they all bring back players who are ready to play right now for the most part no it's just a hypothetical but what you're doing is you're presenting the scenario that the Clippers and the Celtics packages are more enticing to you guys because of Drew Holiday because that's how valuable Drew Holiday is to you so then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden the package of SGA Gallo and Shamit and they've also got future picks in addition to their own. They've got 76ers picks. And then Boston, of course, has potentially three picks this year. They've got the Memphis pick going forward. So you're looking to build your foundation upon young veterans, uh, potentially one older veteran like an Al Horford or a Marcus Smart who can come in and just instill a bit more of what Drew Holiday's already going to give you. And you're going to try to contend now and then just use those later picks just to kind of round out the roster, guys like Landry Shamit. And that, that also coincides with what David Griffin said on national television i think on nba tv prior to the nba draft was that he was going to looking for a potential young elite player an older veteran who can Mm -hmm. kind of be the steadying hand in addition to picks so that fits right in there uh we've got to get to one topic i know fish would love to discuss this i'll go over to ali uh what does this mean for julius randall 
Yeah, I mean, we, we knew the writing was on the wall for him when we talked about possibly landing Zion. Well, it just happened. I don't see in any scenario Randall coming back unless he really, you know, basically he accepts his option, right? Other than that, I don't foresee the Pelicans going above that 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 money that they're he's going to be looking for. And you got to think, he's going to be asking for anywhere between minimum of like $13, 14000000 million all the way up to twenty. After the season he had, after kind of the trajectory he's on, you know, he puts up those good raw offensive stats and he's still young. He's got a good motor um, and people are going to take into consideration that he's young and he's still growing. So they're going to take a chance maybe on his defense, sometimes his instincts being off. But that being said, Zion coming to town, I mean, that, that's got to put an end of all kind of or any kind of hope of Randall coming back and re-signing with the Pelicans, right? I mean, does anybody disagree with me there? No, no. Like, what, Randall is me, like the Bruce Banner version of Zion. You know? Like, <laughs> he took away the jumping and the strength and, the, <laughs> and like, the, the nimbleness and all the superpowers. And that's what you get. You get Julius Randall, except he's at $9 million right now. You guys, there's a, a video going around. And Kevin O'Connor also did the transcript of uh, Alvin Gentry finding out that they've won the pick. He stands up with his arms out, uh, kind of like Russell Crowe, a la Gladiator. And, and he goes around the room high-fiving all these disappointed team executives. Uh, so I highly <laughs> encourage everybody to go ahead and watch that. He's just, like, got his hand, head in his hands, and everyone else just looks so disappointed. I can't um, wait to ask him about that. <laughs> so if you do talk to Griff tonight, you can talk about their reactions and and how it felt to gloat in the in the press room around all the other executives. Specifically no, but, you know, we're talking about gloat and we're having a good time laughing about it, but I think that's what we always wanted to see with this organization. So I hope nobody takes offense to that, but this is genuine emotion. And like David's been talking all along about Griffin being calm and collected, which he's always been, especially ever since he's taken the job here in New Orleans, we've been able to watch him closely. Um, but when, when there's been those instances of getting you know, let some emotion out. They have, and that's something over entire Dell Demp's tenure we didn't see out of anybody in the front office. And before Alvin, we didn't even see it with the coaching, uh, the coaching staff either. So I think this is a great thing. I mean, I think that's why then didn't Kevin O'Connor finish that up, press him by saying then Alvin Gentry says something like, I'm sorry, because, you know, he doesn't want to ever offend anybody. People that know Alvin knows that he's never going to be one to step on anybody's toes. I, um, how about this? I used to say that, Elvin Gentry is the North Turner of basketball, but maybe he's the Bobby A. Bear. Here we go. He said, then he stood up and stuck his arms out. Then he said, sorry, no reason to apologize. Zion will be with the New Orleans Pelicans. So, yeah, I think it was all in good fun. And Kevin even acknowledged uh, as much in his tweet. So it's it's a great time to be alive, great time to be a Pelicans fan. Uh, and there's still so many possibilities, you guys. We still have another six weeks, not only until the draft, but until free agency starts. So still anything could happen with Anthony Davis. My question to you, Kevin, now that the lottery order has been decided, how long until you think we find out what Anthony Davis' future could be? Obviously, with that being said, the Celtics can't make an offer, an official offer, until July 1st. But what point in time do you think a decision will be made? I think decision will be made definitely uh, before, like a day or two before the draft. Rob, what about you? I think it's already been made. And um, no matter what their conversation is, uh, I think the only way it comes out publicly before free agency is if a deal is made um, between two teams or if AD speaks it, because I don't think Griffin is going to try to show his cards in this situation. But Give I don't, us I don't the hot take. Who's the team? 
I don't know who the team is. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think it was probably made, but I think landing number one changes things because I think I you're going to see a lot of uh, people make another round of pushes that that may make more sense now. Like even say for instance that the a new Lakers package say they trade Lonzo to Chicago get that get that pick. Um, you get you get four seven Ingram whatever Hart maybe. And then you know you could get a, 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 a young wing there, and then possibly even Kobe White. You know, um, so I think that like that package is more enticing, um, and you, you could see other teams start to make a push, knowing that you already have, you know because New York's package is weaker, um, and, and the Boston package could look different too now. Um, so we'll see. And still. That- playoffs i mean these things still have a way of, of, of affecting things too let's say toronto doesn't make it to the nba finals what does that mean you know yeah. there's a lot of these decisions that still have to be made for what other players are going to do and ultimately that is going to affect you know these offers that get made if the clippers strike out on Kawhi leonard are they still all in on ad i think that they probably would be because they they have to bring some kind of star back and they have Steve Ballmer, who's impatient. So, yeah, there's so many variables. There's still so many plates spinning right now that we just got one little corner piece of this mm-hmm. giant puzzle tonight. Exactly. And let's not forget Kevin Durant. I mean, the Warriors have to advance and win the finals, Steve, and I think tempt them to come back. Because if they fall short, he's going to want to go elsewhere as well. And I think you're right. I think if Toronto gets beaten up by Milwaukee, there's no way. Even though Kawhi Leonard had that incredible series and that game-winning shot, I think that'll be all forgotten in just a week's time for him and his representatives to where he'll leave too. Because that's all I've heard all year is that he's out of Toronto as well. So, yeah, I, I agree. You can't even guess as to what's going to happen yet because the playoffs have to finish. These teams have to recalibrate now that the lottery's over. Everything has to be wiped. The slate has to be wiped clean, essentially. I mean, every phone call that Griffin has had or a conversation with any of these other executives, well, there's a whole new, like, it's like a, given a brand new starting lineup. You've got to reconfigure everything, see how it fits, and then now take in brand new offers because the, the playing field has changed. I mean, the player options, the restricted free agents, those have so big an impact, will have such a big impact on, on a lot of these trades too. Because like I said, a guy like Al Horford or, or some of these other players out here, I mean, there's just so much that can happen, which makes this probably – I don't remember the last time I was this geeked about an NBA offseason because especially in, in regards to the Pelicans, because so many good things can potentially happen to them this summer. And you could just, I mean, I think overall as summer league and all these things, I just think the, the momentum for basketball is just going to turn into a tidal wave. Sorry. I'm, I'm talking with fish in the, in the crew and the group, and I'm still going over this Lakers package. If they're able to package Lonzo to Chicago and whether or not Memphis could be enticed with the fourth and seventh overall picks and just move both of those up to get the second overall pick. If, if, you know, we all value uh John Morant that much, Ollie, let me just uh, frame you the same question. When do you think this deal gets done? Mm, I think it'll get done soon after Griffin meets with Anthony Davis. I think, you know, I, I'm hearing that he's going to have some kind of pitch, you know, obviously. And um, they're going to obviously see if it works, gauge AD's interest and especially his people. And if it doesn't work, then I think he's immediately going to get on that phone and start talking to other executives. And then there's going to be outlines for trades almost within a week. That's how it works. And then the ones he's interested in, he's going to keep pursuing. Uh, 
pushing for everything he can get back. So I think a deal will be done in terms of like orally with a couple of options for Griffin by the time the draft is upon us for sure. Um, then after the draft, obviously that may change a few things depending on what teams move up, you know, try and get whatever the Pelicans might be seeking, you know, I mean, that's about the only thing that would be left then, right? Teams trying to move around, trying to get more pieces that are attractive to other teams. And of course, people are attracted to Anthony Davis. So that's what you got to look for. But then after the draft, then I think it's going to be set in stone. So right after the draft, I think Griffin and the Pelicans are going to know where 80 is going to be headed. Yeah, I think Thursday, June 20th is the night of the draft. Kevin, I've got the most important question of this entire podcast. Uh, today, our friend Mike Guevara was uh, working out with Frank Jackson, with Drew Holiday, with Anthony Davis. How soon before Zion shows up at one of these workouts and just destroys everybody? Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited for this 285. I thought he's wearing the proper shoes, okay? Now yeah. we got to start making sure that Zion stays safe, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, just from what we know about this guy, guy gets hurt and he's, there was no question that he was coming back. He just came out in an interview and said that. I mean, we realistically can expect Rub to see Zion actually play at Summer League. Oh, yeah, I think he wants to. Uh, you know, At least a couple of games. Yeah, that's He needs that adjustment. You know, that mm-hmm. the, the one thing people always talk about um, when you're just from the NBA to the pro level is, yeah, he's got to adjust to size. He's got to adjust to, to the rules. He's got to adjust to the speed of the game. It's going to be so much different. You know, from high school to college, wasn't that significant a jump for him? Because he was basically playing against the same size kids. Now that he's going to NBA and he's starting to play for some against men who are trying to put food on their tables, life becomes different. So, yeah, he may not play the entire summer league schedule, but he's got to get some games in there. He wants to he's if he wants to learn the offense, if he wants to get um, get himself tested. And part of this, it's going to be vital on that new uh, medical staff for the Pelicans to get early measurements on him, to get his baselines, to start putting together a physical plan to make sure that this kid, um, you know, he's going to grow more over the next couple of years. So they need to be prepared with a plan to make sure physically he's on pace to continue to be healthy, explosive, and that those, you know, that he doesn't just rip one of those fast twitch muscles trying to jump out of the building. Here's a question for you guys. Uh, it just hit me. Of course, when we were just talking about Ant- or Zion being that athletic freak, Frank Jackson, right? He's an athletic freak as well. And, you know, we know Drew's abilities. But here's, here's the question. How important now is it almost for Zion, who admits he's never been in New Orleans, but he's excited but nervous uh, from what I've gathered from some of these interviews he's done tonight? How important is it for this team now to really hang on to Frank Jackson and Ja Jaleel Okafor, you know, two Duke, former Duke Blue Devils? And as we know, when you come from one of these top collegiate programs, these guys stay close regardless of whether they ever played with each other. They know each other. They support each other. So I, I think maybe that bond will be important. What do you guys think? Do you think having Frank Jackson and Jaleel Okafor will actually help um, both Zion and then also do you think that Griffin is going to look at – from that standpoint, from trades or whatever, on how, the importance of keeping a couple of Duke Blue Devils on this team. Well, I mean, ja, I mean, you look at um, with both of those guys, Jalil and Frank. You know, they're both under contract, and I don't see why either of them wouldn't be back. For just looking at Zion, small town kid from a little part of North Carolina, um, you know, and coming down, he stayed in that region for most of his his life. Coming down to New Orleans, I've done the reverse trip. 
Um, it's not that great of a culture shock. I don't think for him it'll, uh, you know, I think he'll adjust quickly. It's, you know, New Orleans has a very small town feel to it in a lot of ways. And I think he'll be embraced. It's again, it's a kind of city that, you know, we all know that celebrities can walk down the street in New Orleans and no one says a word. So, I mean, you know, it's, I think New Orleans is actually a really good situation for him because it seemed that he was looking at Atlanta and I can understand that it was familiar to him. It's nearby. I think he wants that Southern feel, that small town feel where he can be, um, he'll be embraced here, but he won't be smothered. And I think even with the Duke guys here, that makes it better. But I think overall, New Orleans is a really good place for a kid with that kind of personality who still seems to be a quiet guy who wants to blend in, be a good teammate. I think New Orleans is a really good place for him to do that. I think based on what we know, uh, the Pelicans almost certainly will gain another uh, first round selection before the draft and the possibility of them moving on from Solomon Hill. Now that everybody's draft capital has kind of dropped with the Pelicans winning the draft, that's gone up a little bit. So moving on Sol- from Solomon Hill could be possible. Uh, before we get out of here, just a bit of news. We know that Chris Finch met with the Minnesota Timberwolves and we all saw him at a restaurant down by uh, Kevin's place. Kevin, uh, Talk, talk about our time. It's just been two short seasons with Chris Finch, but how would you feel about him being promoted to this position? Uh, I mean, I'd be happy for him. You know, he's uh, he's a good offensive coach. We showed that. Um, I think Ali mentioned it before when we were talking about this in a group chat that, you know, that you don't really want to see him leave, but it wouldn't hurt you as bad because you, that he was really brought here to make AD and, and, uh, DeMarcus Cousins work together offensively and you know that's gone that's that's now extinct and probably AD is gone as well so there's no need to really keep him you know in that position because you now are about to build a whole new offense probably well I don't know that Alvin Gentry really will do that um you know he's kind of set in his ways but um you know you would think that there's going to be a lot of tweaks to the offense now based off of how we build around Zion. So, um, yeah, I don't think that you necessarily need to have a holdover offensive coordinator when you're going to totally change the structure of the uh, of the way the offense works. Here's a better Ollie. question, though. No, real quick, because, I mean, earlier in the day I tossed with you guys, are we really going to lose that much if Finch walks out the door? Because I always felt like he was brought in to uh, kind of get that Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins era working better because as we saw how they ended the, that's what he uh, said Ollie. <laughs> that's oh, what I Kevin said. said i'm sorry i'm looking at my phone ah, all right let's <laughs> all that but i'm saying that's it's important. Cool. but don't you feel like that it's important to keep finch around that maybe the pelicans should like up, up his salary to try and keep him now that they've got zion who more importantly to- why wouldn't he want to stay around not to say that playing with carl anthony towns isn't alluring but now armed with drew holiday and zion i mean you have well, to just stay around to see what kind of player he can become one name of so many head coaching jobs so if somebody offers you a head coaching job you can't yeah. really go around exactly. turning them away fair but even if you have the possibility of coaching the best player in the world at the age of 18 doesn't matter man because you may it. never get another head coaching job exactly and if you want that you have to take the opportunity. And again, I don't think, yeah, Finch isn't a great loss for them because they've shown they can score regardless of who's on the floor. It's not been the offense that's been the issue. It's been the defense. So if Finch left, it's not like you're, you're, you're losing something critical. You'll find a way to score. That team will find a way to score. Gentry will figure that part out. It's just can they stop somebody. Exactly. All right, let's that's close that on. Yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to close out on this. Uh, I wrote today on the birdrights.com on April 7th, we managed to defeat the Sacramento Kings, moving us from sixth into a three-way tie for seventh. And lo and behold, it got us Zion. So uh, <laughs> never tell us the odds, I guess. I just heard a ding. I want to... Fish is in here. David Fisher, ladies and gentlemen. Fish, just give us your quick reaction, then we're going to get out of here. Oh, my quick reaction. I just, we were, my wife and I were standing there, like, standing watching the television, right? And they say, oh, my goodness, the Pelicans have moved up. And so I just start pacing the house because then you have, you know, they have to announce the rest of the picks and you have to wait for the commercial break. So we're pacing the house. And she's texting her her friends that have season tickets and stuff, and they're all excited. And the only part of it that was more exciting to me than actually the fact that the Pelicans won is that the first name that they, they read out was the Lakers, that I knew that they were falling to four, because at that point, that pretty much eliminates them from even Anthony Davis' trade contention, in my opinion. So... <clears throat> We're jumping up and down. My kids, of course, got all excited, which is why I'm here late. Um, <laughs> evidently, when mom and dad are jumping around ex- <laughs> celebrating the fact that the team um, has uh, won the lottery, kids got all excited and they're jumping around and screaming and hollering. And um, then my son decided he wasn't going to go to sleep for another hour and a half. So, sorry I'm late. <laughs> All right, Jeff Stotts, uh, this is at In Street Close. He had some good stuff for us last year. Uh, he wrote, uh, and Ali just sent this to me, by the way. Thanks to Ali. New Orleans' decision to bring in Aaron Nelson will pay dividends early on with Zion, likely headed to the Pelicans. And you guys were just mentioning putting him on a regimen early on, making sure uh, we handle his body. Like we said, he's 18 years old. So having Aaron Nelson in is just, like he said, going to pay dividends early on. He's going to get the best possible care. Um Let's go ahead uh, and get out of here. Thank you so much, Fish. Sorry, I've got to head out. If you guys want to do another reaction pod at this, be my guest. Uh, but for me, I'm Preston Else. Follow me at Preston Else. Kevin at Kevin Barrios. Ollie at Ollie Cosell. And David at DM Grub and at Fisher TBW. You guys, just give me a quick rundown. Uh, obviously, Ollie, you're about to listen to the conference call. Are you going to post something online later? Yeah, I'm, we're going to ask uh, Griff some questions. And then obviously anything good, we'll get it out to you. All right, Grub, anything coming from you, sir? Yeah, um, starting tomorrow, we're going to look at those, um, you know, individual trade scenarios and how they might look right now. So I'm trying to start diving into those. Kevin? Uh, actually, um, at Kevin B for Bounce, you got that one wrong. But, oh, uh, what I say? <laughs> at Kevin Barrios, which is fun. Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, so, like, I keep talking about how we have that third part of trade packages coming out on the New Orleans index ratings. Chris and I did. I guess we're going to. I'm going to talk to him, maybe try to rework that now that we know that we, we're getting Zion and see how that changes things up. Um, so that's still going to be a work in progress, but uh, looks like we have to start fresh on it anyway. All right. I'm going to have to get my hands on a scout, and I got a couple of names in mind uh, to talk about Zion and how he translates to the N- uh, NBA. Uh, Fish, you've got a big party going on tonight. Now the kids are in bed. What are you going to do now? Um, I'm going to start um, just digging into – uh, kind of what landing at one does to the cap because the the first pick does have a much bigger cap hold. It might affect how the Pelicans try to move forward, assuming that Anthony Davis is still going to be traded. Um, but that that'll probably be the next thing for me is between now and the draft. That and then uh, same with David Grubb, um, digging into some of the trade packages and which things um, look best for the Pelicans moving forward. 
Uh, and I have in front of me that Luka Doncic made uh, just under $7 million in his first year with a dead cap of 14. Uh, but that's going to be it for now. You guys, make sure you, you follow at Bird Rights. And of course, rate, like our podcast on iTunes. Make sure that you share this, like it. We'll have some more pods coming at you guys now that we've got this terrific news, especially in advance of the draft um, and in advance of free agency. Because even though this is the Pelicans pick, uh, they're still likely going to get another first round pick, whether it be from Boston, the Lakers, the New York. Nick, so we'll still have to do our due diligence for now. Thank you guys. This has been his, a historic night, and who knows where it's going to lead for Pelicans fans. But for now, let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to the bird calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. One, two... Three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.